You're listening to Stefan Levera Podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics brought to you by Swan Bitcoin. Today, my guests are John Spihari and Ed from the Bolt.fun website and project, which is about a essentially a meta hackathon on Bitcoin and Lightning. So they're running a tournament. It's called the Legends of Lightning. And we talk about that in this episode. Now, a message from some of the show sponsors. Are you using a plain alt block explorer? Bitcoin has grown beyond a single layer. It's now a fully fledged multi-layer ecosystem. And mempool.space is a comprehensive Bitcoin explorer that covers this ecosystem for you. Whether it's the mempool, the blockchain, or second layer networks like Lightning Network. You can use mempool.space to target your fee rate when you're about to send a Bitcoin transaction. And the cool thing is with mempool.space, you can run it yourself. You can host it on your own full node using distros like Umbral, Raspberry Blitz, or manually installing it or others. For enterprises, mempool.space offers customized mempool instances with your company's branding, increased API limits, and more. Learn more over at mempool.space slash enterprise. When it comes to Bitcoin, hardware, security, and other accessories, CoinKite.com is the place to go. They are known for a range of products, most notably the cold card. The MK4 is the latest version. It has NFC support. It's got two secure elements. It has more RAM and faster CPU to give you faster signing of transactions. It's a very reliable performer, and you can set it up without plugging it into your computer. You can use a micro SD card to move things back and forth, or perhaps for your less secure setups, you might use the NFC support. CoinKite also have TapSigner and SatsCard. These are more affordable devices that are coming in at a lower price point and they have NFC support. So you can really experience what might be the next level of Bitcoin user experience. You can get all of these products and more over at CoinKite.com and use code Levera for a discount on your cold cards. Now, the lead sponsor of Stefan Levera Podcast is Swan Bitcoin. With Swan, you can learn about Bitcoin and you can buy it. Swan makes all kinds of resources available free for anyone. Even if you're not a customer, you can get free copies of books such as 21 Lessons by Gigi or Inventing Bitcoin by Jan Pritzker. Go to swan.com slash free book. And Swan is putting on a conference. It's called Pacific Bitcoin. It's on 10th and 11th of November this year in LA, California. I'm going to be one of the hosts. There's an awesome lineup of speakers and people coming along, people like Michael Saylor, Lynn Alden, Pierre Richard, Morgan Richard, Alex Epstein, Preston Pish, and so many more. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. If you're interested, make sure you check it out. The tickets are available over at pacificbitcoin.com and use the code Levera for a discount. And now onto the show with Johns and Ed. Johns and Ed, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having us. Great to be here. Yeah. Great. So I know you guys are working on this uh, lightning kind of like a hackathon, but also a competition. Let's hear a little bit about this. Uh, I guess it's a tournament. It's probably the easiest way to explain it. So uh, do you want to firstly tell us uh, each a little bit about yourselves? So we'll start with you, Johns. All right. So I'm Johns. I'm from a tiny island in the Caribbean. And uh, uh, I got into Bitcoin um, some years ago because uh, there was a need for payments solutions for payments uh that i that i was uh, encountering uh some challenges with it in the caribbean it's easy to you know for some folks to get money in and stuff but it's difficult for uh local businesses and stuff to operate especially digitally so um yeah um uh, a few years ago i got involved in the bitcoin design community when it was forming and um yeah helped uh, create some stuff on the bitcoin design guide got a grant from square uh, a lot of my research has been in payments and privacy and uh decided that uh wanted to see more 
innovation happening on the application layer like that we're not just wallets and um yeah that's kind of uh, the thing that bred bolt fun out of that to trying to put push innovation on the application layer yeah and ed let's hear a little bit from you can you give us just a bit of a just a basic background on yourself and what how you got involved in all this Sure. Yeah. Hey, everybody. My name is uh, Ed I'm from the UK. I've sort of been in the product space for about five and a half years now, kind of ever since looking for like a more remote work. Um, I got into Bitcoin kind of in sort of late 2016, uh, met John's a couple of years after. And since then, we've sort of been working on building out uh, different Bitcoin products, improving UX, uh, privacy. As John's mentioned, we've done a lot of sort of research uh, through sort of square grunts and things on uh, coin control, coin selection, which we did for the Bitcoin design guide as well. Uh, and then about January this year, we sort of birthed the Bolt Fund project, which, as he mentioned, is really just trying to sort of bring a bit of innovation to the Lightning layer um, and as well to the sort of base protocol and kind of encouraging a more friendly community environment for developers to get involved in sort of Bitcoin applications and tools. Great. So can you just give us a background then? Bolt.fun, what's the high level aim? Uh, what's the high level uh, you know, uh, overview? What's going on here with Bolt.fun? I think on the highest level, um, fun is mandatory in this project. <laughs> the whole part <laughs> is about lightning. So it's effectively to you know make Bitcoin development feel a little bit more accessible to people. Right? Uh, a lot of people have this idea that Bitcoin is kind of like inflexible, um, slow. Um, you know these uh, these narratives that have um, been going through, and um, you know we're trying to like reframe that in a way and say, hey. You know, there's really cool things that you can build and do on the Lightning, um, on Bitcoin, whether it's the base layer or especially Lightning Network. And here's how to do it. Here's a friendly environment in which you can learn and meet other people uh, in this maker community that we're kind of trying to set up. And yeah, we're learning as well. So we're going to be making mistakes also, right? So, uh, but, you know, we want to be public with the, those mistakes as well. So then other people can learn from it because this kind of stuff hasn't been really done before in Bitcoin. Right. Uh, and so what we have seen in the Bitcoin space historically is, let's say, hackathons that might be a weekend project. Why Why the different approach this time? Uh, what's the thinking there? Uh, so earlier in the year, we ran a couple of, I guess, as you kind of said, more traditional style hackathons. Maybe they're a long weekend or at most maybe like a week. Uh, these were the shock the web events. So uh, when we started with Bolt Fun, we had a sort of a heavy web focus because we kind of need to focus our own work. A lot of the UX that we were trying to implement with WebLN or LNURL. So we tried to get people hacking on web and they were really interesting. These were the first time we had run events, first time we had run hackathons online uh, rather than in person. And it was the the metrics were kind of interesting. I think we... We had about sort of $3,000 in prizes, which got a little bit of attention, got a few people in. Uh, most people hadn't really hacked on Lightning before. Um, so everyone was kind of new. We put on a bunch of workshops and it was a pretty fiery, intense few days where people got a, a pretty good introduction to Lightning and, and how to start building. Um, but we kind of noticed this issue, which I'm sure a lot of workshop or sort of hackathon organizers uh, face, which is kind of this make a drop off rate, uh, where you have this really intense weekend, people come, they build cool applications, but then 
the hackathon ends and no one really does anything with a lot of these projects. And it kind of then stifles innovation. You get a bunch of half built out projects in the space. Development isn't continued. There's not enough support or resources for the founders of those projects to kind of continue as well as funding. So with this uh, tournament approach, that is kind of the, the issue that we tried to, to solve there was how can we get people building more regularly? How can we get them building in public? And how can we try and sort of foster a little bit more of a, a community where people can come and they can actually kind of accelerate or incubate their projects uh, rather than just hack on something because it's interesting for a weekend and never touch it again. We kind of want people to build longer lasting teams, find more support, uh, development support from the community, even the design community as well. The Bitcoin design community has been great in, in helping provide us support with that and, and generally just have a wider sort of access to resources. So uh, the Legends of Lightning tournament, which is the, the competition which we're holding at the moment, it runs for nine weeks. Um, so it's way bigger time period. Uh, it allows people to kind of hack on their nights and weekends, which is good for the people who aren't doing this nine to five, which a lot of people in the space, you'd be surprised how many people are not doing this full time. Um, so we just wanted to kind of like open the open the gates a little bit wider for, for more people to take part, for more people to learn. Uh, and also really for a lot of the workshops that we're gonna host as well, and this sort of the series on those, for that information to kind of sink in, for people to kind of learn from it, get mentored through, try it out, fail, run into some blockers, and then come back and, and get a bit more help. So it's just a little bit more of a full cycle with, with the tournaments. Yeah, it's an interesting point you make about stretching this out over a longer time period, the nine weeks, as you said. So currently it's uh, 12th of October through to the 7th. December is the current, uh, this is the Legends of Lightning tournament. I know historically hackathons have almost been more like a fun thing or maybe a bit of a community fun thing. And in some cases, there has been a project that resulted from it or maybe the connections that people made. They later on went on to start a, found up and do a startup together or make some project that maybe was born from a hackathon. But I, I presume then the idea here with Legends of Lightning is that it might be a more fully fleshed out product or service or software project that emerges is, is that's i guess that's the idea that we're going for here yeah definitely and um someone also mentioned to me like made this point you know sometimes at these hackathons the people who are the most prepared are the one and the ones who end up winning are the ones who uh work in the space and they you know already have their boilerplates and you know development kits you know ready for the hackathon you know, um, they're already in the node. They know how to solve certain problems already, you know. So to Ed's point there, you know, by give it, like by stretching it out uh, this long and having this kind of, kind of format, we're allowing new people to enter the space, which actually is something that is very, very important um, for us to do because I'm not going to go into that article um, that I was um, thinking about, but yeah, we need to have new people coming into the space. Um, there needs to be new developers, new designers, uh, new blood. Um, and we can't just be like complacent and just say like, well, you know what, eventually they'll make it back to Bitcoin, you know, because, you know, like a lot of people right now, they're like interested in all this hype blockchain technology and all that. Right. So, you know, if we just let them go off somewhere else, that's going to be like a few years of them learning some skills on some shitcoin project or whatever that they could have been applying to Bitcoin because for them, they don't really care. Right. 
they just want to work in blockchain. So um, there's a lot of small problems and stuff like that, um, UX problems, design patterns, uh, uh, wallet development, use cases that have to be um, kind of worked on. And we need people for that. You know, a lot of companies are having um, are struggling finding people with the required skills to work in the Bitcoin space, right? So, yeah, I think it's very important to be able to open up for new people to come into the space. Yeah. And also, I notice uh, just from looking at the website, there are various prizes here. So we've got a one Bitcoin prize for the overall best, and there is a two half Bitcoin prizes for runner runner ups or runners up. Uh, and there's also some different tracks. So could you just explain a little bit about the prizes and the tracks and uh, who's going to get what? Yeah, for sure. So essentially to kind of enter the tournament, we're asking projects to select a track uh, to begin with. So similar to a lot of other events and hackathons, tracks are kind of there to help people sort of focus their projects a little bit and narrow down the scope of what sort of problems, uh, whether it is a sort of a global or a local solution or even just sort of a, a UX hurdle. Um, so that the tracks are there to kind of narrow people down and help them focus their projects. Um, and the tracks that we're offering our global adoption track, which obviously kind of looks at global adoption and scalability, onboarding people, education, whatever it is, it's quite a, kind of a wide net there. And then we also have the Building for Africa track. So this is uh, partnered up with the African Bitcoin Conference who were, they were gonna host a hackathon for their event and we just thought, why don't we just combine these things? There's no point running two sort of simultaneous hackathons and spreading attention out. Let's just get it in as a track. So. Both of the tracks have about $10,000 in prizes, or it is, I think, exactly $10,000 in prizes. So it's 5K to the first place, uh, 2.5K to second, 1.5 to third, and then there's also a best design prize because this is something that we're trying to sort of actively encourage in these tournaments is really awesome sort of UI UX work just in general to try and sort of increase uh, use uh, and adoption of, of these technologies. Uh, we believe that's pretty central to it. Um, and then separate to the tracks is, as you mentioned, these kind of grand prizes, these sort of bigger awards, which uh, any project that enters into the tournament through a track will automatically be registered for this. And this is, like you said, so it's going to be one Bitcoin to the, the overall winner, which is we're calling sort of the legend. Uh, and then we're going to have two runners up, which is uh, 0.5 BTC each. So a one project itself could win up to three prizes. They could get the legend award, which is one Bitcoin. They could also get first place and best design in their track, which is another 6K in prizes. So, you know, one project could take home over $25,000 worth of prizes, which is obviously pretty huge and hopefully would then kind of accelerate potentially their next year of funding or half year of funding, whatever it is, just to make sure it keeps going. I see. So part of this is also to ensure that the business or startup has at least some funding. And uh, presumably then there are ways that if that project looks successful, they may be able to appeal out for more funding from other, uh, let's say, venture capitalists in the space or investors or angel investors in the space. So I suppose it's it's like a, a starting track that gives them an opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Like I think, uh, to be honest, one, one of the ways that we wanted to really position this tournament was more of an accelerator style event. So we're getting projects in, we're getting them to sort of improve their process to build in public, uh, but also, like you said, to give them sort of connections to 
a lot of these different funding routes. So throughout the tournament, we're going to be hosting a bunch of workshops for makers, whether it's how to build on Lightning, how to issue assets on Tarot or stable stats on Alloy or uh, whatever it might be. Uh, but fundamentally, another important workshop which people and founders need to go through is how can I get funding for my project and how can I actually continue this? So towards the end, we're going to have a couple of workshops on uh, grant funding. So this is going to be given by uh, the folks at Geyser and OpenSats, who you may be familiar with. And then also we're going to do some workshops with some of the VCs. Uh, so Folga Ventures, who are going to be sponsoring uh, most of these prizes, they're going to be, we're going to be doing some sort of office hours with them, uh, with Mike from Lightning Ventures, Max from HiveMind. So Immediately, it's going to be great for these founders of these projects because they have such a close connection to not only the people who are sponsoring these prizes, but the people who are giving workshops and direct advice on how to take your next steps and basically how to create a sustainable project moving forward. So when it comes to judging the projects, can you outline a little bit the criteria here? What, what are the criteria that projects will be judged on? Yeah, so there are going to be seven criteria for the, for the projects. Just to explain a little bit the, the timeline, uh, people are going to hack until sort of November 24th, and then we're going to take a small pause, and the judges are going to evaluate all the projects, and then we'll announce a short list of finalists for each track on the 28th of November. They'll then have another week, and then they'll pitch their projects live on kind of like a finals day. But the criteria that they're actually going to be evaluated on is going to be sort of Bitcoin integration and scalability. There's going to be execution of the idea, product market fits, uh, design, so sort of UI, UX. Um, there's going to be sort of extra rewards for a bit of spice factor. So, you know, do they take the project above and beyond? And then the most important one, I would argue, is probably the build in public criteria, which we'll talk about a bit, but we really want to push people to kind of build in public and learn in public. As John's kind of mentioned, there is really little sort of resources and documentation on how to actually build uh, these types of projects. You know, immediately, if you go into the, the Ethereum space or the Solana space, you have a whole wide range of documents, of developer resources, design resources on you know, how to build a smart contract that does X or how to build your NF first NFT platform or whatever it is. And people might not necessarily be interested in building projects exactly like that, but there needs to be a lot of innovation and drive on Bitcoin. And for that to happen, we think that people do need to build in public. So this is going to be providing sort of weekly progress reports uh, or this sort of PPPs structure that, that we tend to implement ourselves, this plans, progress and progress. And then also sort of posting about milestones as they go throughout the event so uh you know big updates feature releases uh maybe partnerships that they're trying to integrate and, and things like that yeah and then we get to use some of these um reports and stuff to uh figure out uh, uh these are like weekly check-ins that um, each project has to do um it helps us like uh, uh in the judging criteria as well to figure out like uh, what was done within the time of the hackathon but it also helps us uh, figure out uh, how we can help those projects so i was reading some of the uh reports yesterday a few of them said they were you know missing documentation for ln url off they couldn't really understand it and stuff like that so what we we will do since we see that we'll you know put on a workshop for that to help those projects right and be able to direct them and stuff like that back to the show in a moment blockstream green 
is an industry-leading Bitcoin and Liquid wallet. You can gain access to powerful features such as multi-signature security, full-node verification, and Tor support. It's available for iOS, Android, or desktop, and Blockstream Green offers the option to secure your wallet with the multi-signature shield that they offer. So one key is held on your device, another on Blockstream servers, allowing you to protect your wallet with two-factor authentication. They also build in time locks or a third-party backup so you still retain full ownership of your funds. Blockstream Green has integration with hardware wallets like Blockstream Jade, Ledger, and Trezor devices. So you can have a balance of convenience and features as well as having multi-signature security. You can download it now for iOS, Android, or desktop over at blockstream.com green. Brains are a Bitcoin mining company offering a range of products and services to give you a complete platform to give miners what they need, whether that's a mining pool, auto-tuning firmware to optimize hardware performance, and tools for farm monitoring and management. With Brains, they operate on this idea of openness and standardization across the full stack. Brains products can be used standalone and without locking you into Brains, but at the same time, there are products that can stack together seamlessly to create a one-stop shop. So for example, you can use Brains OS Plus, you can point your hash rate towards Brains Pool, and you can also use their farm proxy to help manage your fleet of miners. So if you're interested to find out more, you can find it all over at brains.com. That's B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Unchained Capital are a leading provider for Bitcoin native financial services coming out of the US. So for those of you who need help with creating your multi-signature vault, they can help you secure your coins in a way where you have no single point of failure. You hold two of the keys in different locations and Unchained holds the third key. They can even assist you with this setup process. It's called concierge onboarding. So you can go sign up on the site, you can pay the fee, they can ship you the hardware if you need it and they will do a call with you to teach you how to set up this vault and withdraw the coins out of an exchange or a custodian into a setup where you hold two of three keys. Now, they can help you through this even if you've never held your own Bitcoin private keys before. So this is a great way to get started. Don't put it off if you've left your coins on the exchange. If you want to get started, it's unchained.com slash concierge. Use code Levera for a discount there. And now, back to the show. Yeah. And so while we're on this topic of building in public, can you tell us a little bit about who's participating or how, ma how many participants we have uh, and what kinds of things they're building? As of right now, I think this, uh, this weekend, we crossed 200 uh, makers uh, registering. Um, the amount of projects, uh, I think there's, um, there's north of 20 so far. But one of the one of the things that we're going to have to figure out is, you know, um, how do we help these projects uh, stay motivated? It's a long period of time. Right. It's not a weekend hackathon. It's a long period of time. You know, some people might feel like uh, at some point midway or after a few weeks that, you know, they can't do it or they're going to go back to normal life and, you know, leave their project on the side. So we're going to um, hopefully try to do various things like highlight your project and feature you on uh, some of the Meet the Makers uh, uh, podcast kind of thing that we do as well and just try to connect people as well to various resources to keep them motivated. Yeah. So Eddie, what would you say? With regards to some of the projects that we've seen, maybe that's a good one to talk about. We had a call last night in our community discord. We've got some people who are building uh, onboarding payment applications where if your friend doesn't claim the sats that you send them, then they automatically get returned to you. There was one on sort of value for value recipes uh, that people want to 
want to do kind of like an only fans but for chefs which is cool there are there's one from dangled at a chain case i think they're doing a project on no looking which is about opening up lightning channels in one sort of on-chain transaction using things like pay joins got uh, ticketing and raffle sort of platforms there are quite a few actually um you can you can find them all by scrolling through the uh some of the posts on on bolt fun um a lot of people are sort of posting about their ideas in there but um i think there's also been a suggestion from galoy they're trying to team up with some of the people at collider to integrate sort of stable stats into their platform. Um, but a lot of these projects as well, hopefully are gonna come out of the Bitcoin Designathon, which is the, the Bitcoin Design Community event, which is kind of happening at the moment. And there are gonna be some, some projects on Taro. Uh, so we've got some workshops this week on Taro and sort of how to get started, how to build with it. Um, so hopefully we might see some interesting and innovative applications sort of more typically associated with Web3 with sort of digital assets and, and tokens and things like that. So it's just really the start. People are kind of formulating, still forming teams. But yeah, it's going to be really cool. I'd like to see a project built out as well on the, the UTXO wallet, which I suggested. But uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be cool. It's a different mix of sort of on-chain and lightning, which is another thing to, to say there is that, yes, the, the tournament is called Legends of Lightning. But if people build really awesome on-chain applications and tools as well, then that's most welcome. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that longer term um, if on-chain eventually gets priced out um we'll see i mean depends on you know adoption and how soon and how quickly that goes that uh, maybe the non-monetary uses just get priced out but uh remains open to see um and certainly it's interesting to see the community adoption and the applications out there that are using things like lnurl and i notice even on the website you've got lnurl auth as an example so to listeners who aren't familiar this idea is you can log into things using your lightning node and basically, it's based on the public key associated with your Lightning node. And so I know as an example, even uh, Sparrow Wallet, as an example, has this idea of Auth47, which is all, all kind of a similar idea, but based off PIP47, but still using the public key and still logging into things off of that. So it'll be interesting to see if that's getting more adoption and whether there are projects who are, let's say, leveraging that. Um, and this becomes like a, a standard that we use in Bitcoin and Lightning. Yeah, it's, um, you know, we just need people to like experiment with these technologies, right? Was it um, a BIP47 that's been around for such a long time? Um, recently, there's a kind of resurgence about, um, uh, about using it. There's, uh, there's good and bad and different arguments on whichever side. But at the end of the day, let's just like use stuff, experiment with it on the application layer at least, and see what could come out with it. Maybe some other BIP or some better um, thing comes out after. But, you know, these primitives, we need to start playing around with them a little bit more to understand, you know, how they, how they break, what the design pattern and stuff or i do want to mention one thing about um the projects though it also doesn't have to be a new project you know if you have an existing project you can jump in with that as well and what we're looking for is um of course building in public becomes a lot more important there but we're basically looking at how you significantly update your application or your project uh, within that time and it doesn't have to be a business either um it can be an open source tool so just want to also clarify that part I see, because as an example, there are, I can think of cases where there are tools that are not necessarily part of a business, but they're just something that other developers or builders in the space might use or a tool that individuals in the space might use. So it might, if it, it potentially, if it's something that helps with other developers who are developing 
for Bitcoin or Lightning, then maybe that's an example there. Although um, maybe that's maybe a little harder to assess in terms of what's the value of this thing. Uh, but I guess that's also why the judges are there. And so I see on the website, there's a range of different judges. So could you just talk through uh, for people who don't know, who are some of the judges? Who's going to be judging uh, the projects? Yeah, we got some heavy hitters, actually. So, um, of course, the boy Roy um, from Breeze. Uh, we got John Carvalho, um, Oleg, who um, actually came to us with the idea about, you know, how I think initially he came, came to us and he's like, uh, how can we connect all these events that are happening uh, this fall? You know, and is it possible to kind of create this like meta hackathon, essentially, because uh, he's been supporting us, uh, you know, since the beginning of Shock the Web, he really, um, really uh, liked the project. So, yeah, so Oleg's there. Um, we got um, Obi from Fetty, Max Webster, a bunch of VC, a bunch of VC judges. And those guys are kind of important because, again, you know, they're also kind of like on the lookout for <laughs> new projects in the space, right? So like everyone's incentives are kind of like aligned up. We got um, uh, Victor and Mary. We, I got Paco from um, uh, Run With Bitcoin. There's a panel of like uh, judges specifically for the Building for Africa track because it makes sense to have uh, people who are familiar with those kind of use cases to be judging those things. So um, there's a whole panel there of judges for the Building for Africa. Uh, Mike from uh, Lightning Ventures, Pleb Lab has been repping like really awesome. We got like these, uh, I think not last weekend, the weekend before, there was um, a this thing called Pleb Weekend. And uh, just before uh, the Legends of Lightning kicked off, they were doing like a bunch of talks and workshops and stuff and uh, like a, uh, helping projects get started. And then throughout the Legends of Lightning tournament as well, they're also going to be like offering mentorship and stuff. So uh, there's a few locations around the world that you can actually go and like meet other people who are hacking uh, within Legends of Lightning or get mentorship. There's Bitcoin Miami. There's a uh, Pleb TLV as well in um, Israel. Uh, yeah, so it's it's gotten quite big. Um, there's a lot of judges there, but that's also good for uh, the individual projects also because a bunch of people who are kind of like top of the industry are getting to look at your project and giving you feedback and stuff. So I think that's uh, super valuable just by itself. And I noticed also there is a guide on um, Bolt.fun. So it looks like it's similar to an overview of Lightning and various concepts in Lightning are being explained here. Uh, so what's the intent there? Well, I think that was a uh, part of like the genesis, right? Um, the idea of the guide was uh, basically a, a dump of like some research from the formation of the Bitcoin design guide. We were just like dropping notes in in there. Um, those notes were a bit uh, a bit more technical than what we were targeting for the designers. And then that's how we kind of realized it's like, well, you know, if you have designers in one corner, developers in another corner, separate communities, maybe there's a way that we could like bring them together because there's a lot of complexities about the technologies that uh, uh, designers kind of like try to shy away from. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're working in a startup or a project or whatever, you you kind of have to face them head on because you're working on a singular team with these folks, right? Instead of like separate silos. So yeah, it was really the genesis. And um, what we're, the intention of it, I guess, was to um, be that like a little bit more technical documentation than the Bitcoin design guide. But 
enough for like a application developer or someone who just wants to go a little bit more technical than just like the the UI components. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And while we're here, actually, could you just tell us a little bit about the Bitcoin design community for people maybe they're new, they don't really know what that is. What's that and how's that working? Yeah. So the Bitcoin design community is a basically a a group of folks who are interested in helping Bitcoin uh, reach mass adoption. And how does it do that? We're going to need to have better user experience. The technology is quite uh, complex. Uh, We need to it down a little bit for um you know uh, 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 for folks to be able to uh use um to use in a safe way and there are a lot of foot guns and things that uh applications out there that can you know make people lose a lot of their money or yeah so the bitcoin design community we try to basically uh onboard new designers as well so we create like a, this thing called a Bitcoin design guide. It's a collection of design patterns and uh, design resources like Figma um, components and Wallet UI kit, etc. That just allows designers to join the field and be able to contribute to those uh, uh, UI and UX problems. There's about 3,500 people now, I think. So yeah, it's, uh, it's growing. And um, you know, if you want to do like user research, just design explorations or some artistic stuff, it's kind of the place for you. Developers already have their place on GitHub, you know, but we need kind of like more creative and uh, design-oriented people um, coming in as well to give that other perspective. Great. So um, bringing it back to Legends of Lightning and Bolt.fun, is the aim then that this carries on even after, like let's say even after the end of this particular tournament, is the aim that this will carry on as an ongoing community or some kind of ongoing meta hackathon? Um, hopefully so. Um, it's a lot of work. Uh, Ed is you know, handling a lot of the operations, uh, the majority of operations on it. Yeah, we're hoping. We're hoping so. The hope is that we can do like one every quarter. That's a lot to bite off, though. Uh, we don't necessarily have a business model <laughs> or anything like that. We're just trying to engage the community and, um, yeah, help foster this kind of innovation and onboard new people. So, yeah, ideally, we're able to do it one every quarter, lasting for two months for next year. So it's a regular thing that people know that they can be a part of. And, um, yeah, uh, 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 again, it's about sustainability, right? Helping the projects uh, uh, continue to exist after the event. So uh, are there any, I guess, even at this early stage, are there any projects that you would like to see or any areas you would particularly like to see building go on or building down um, any particular pathways? Oh, that's a hard question to answer. I mean, I think it would be nice to see a myriad of different projects get worked on. We are huge proponents of on-chain privacy as well. So it'd be cool to see some more standardizations of applications on the sort of the base layer, whether it's coin joins, pay joins, better labeling or sort of contact management, that type of thing. We had a really cool project in the, the previous hackathon, which, which kind of did that as well. And then I guess when it comes to Lightning, obviously your first thought might be sort of payments, but... I think we're kind of interested to see how Lightning can be used more as an application layer or as an infrastructure for sort of web applications or sort of mobile native applications as well, but how you could use sort of one SAP microtransactions even just for an interaction, a sort of a a website interaction or a UX interaction. 
I guess also with the recent updates of sort of Taro, RGB, uh, stable stats, I think we're going to probably see more use cases of things like community banking, maybe sort of getting more assets onto Bitcoin. I think the whilst I think I probably speak for both Johnson and I, we're very much sort of Bitcoin maximalists. We do like to see experimentation and innovation. And I think that we need to do a better job at attracting a larger pool of developer talent, at least on that application layer and get people sort of playing around with some of these tools. So there is probably going to be some projects which people might not necessarily like, whether it's NFTs or shit coins and assets or, or whatever it might be. But I think that that's kind of a, a necessary sort of hurdle for us to get through in order to kind of develop more meaningful projects and things which just go beyond kind of just like a simple sort of payment platform or wallet application. You mentioned the use case of LNURL auth. I've talked a lot about sort of passwordless authentication and this as a sort of a standard UX practice coming into Web 2 as well as Web 3 applications. I would like to see more of this done as well. I think there's an awesome project by a developer called Dolu. It's called Zero Login. Uh, I think he's going to be entering into the, the tournament with that. Um, and it's essentially kind of abstracting passwordless authentication, but obviously using sort of Bitcoin as the back end and doing it in a way where actually users don't even know that they're necessarily interacting with Bitcoin or Lightning. And I think that that's probably where we'll see a lot of unconscious adoption is probably the way I would phrase it, um, where we're using Bitcoin as more kind of like the rails of um, a more sort of sturdy rails of Web3 or the next generation of kind of applications that we see being built. I think it's going to be quite interesting when, you know, Tarot gets like properly released and stuff like that, um, what the perception folks are going to have for the things that are going to, going to be getting built on it. There's a big narrative within the community now shifting towards like stable coins being, you know, necessary and stuff. But, you know, people are going to be uh, minting their own uh, shit coins. It's going to happen on Bitcoin. So that's going to be an interesting thing to see uh, that culture and stuff come to Bitcoin now. Hopefully we could still enforce the principles and philosophies that uh, we've developed and kept, kept strong with um, over the years. But uh, yeah, it's going to be some interesting times ahead. Right. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, things that will be controversial for some people. Like, so, uh, you know, it depends on the view. I've heard some people say, like my friend NVK over at CoinKite, he sometimes says, hey, bring all the shit coins on top of Bitcoin related things. Other people will be more anti them and say no no stable coins or you know don't um don't promote don't spend time and effort promoting those uh, i could also see some people disagreeing even about the terminology right so web3 is the is the branding is the name tarnished like uh, because we saw for example uh block and i think tbd come out with this uh, whole idea of web 5.0 and kind of like trolling the web3 messaging but nevertheless it'll be interesting um to see what happens uh, with Tara, although, and that's the other one. I know some people, some people in the community, even I've seen people critique that idea of saying, "Is it even on Lightning per se?" But uh, nevertheless, if it's a technology that people are interacting with on their Lightning node, it'll be an interesting question to see what kind of wallets, what kind of applications come out that are using Lightning, Lightning standards, things like um, LNURL at the application level um, to provide a service and. Um, I, I think the broader point that is an important one, I think it's to echo the one that our friend Adi has made from Summer of Bitcoin, where he's saying Bitcoin needs more developers. We need ways to increase and improve the mindshare of Bitcoin and Lightning and to get lots of developers in here. And whether they're developers, entrepreneurs, designers, 
people who can contribute in some way to get them familiar and start building things that might eventually be years down the line by lots of people without even knowing, as you said, Ed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I guess my sort of uh, my take on it is that I am not a huge fan of a lot of the projects that are coming out on Ethereum and Solana for, for various reasons. I think some of them have interesting use cases and could provide utility. I'm not kind of uh, powering off every single one of them. But I think the reality of it is, is that unless those projects are being built on Bitcoin, we're just losing out on a whole load of transactional, but also developer and interest volume from in the space. And I think that that then kind of has this knock-on effect, which people don't go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole first, instead they go down a Solana rabbit hole. And then the way that that kind of then forms your perception of how you can use these technologies and what uh, practices you should implement, or even as John said, like the ethos that kind of comes in the Bitcoin space, I think is a really strong one. And I think it's, it's good that it's strong. And I think, you know, I was even looking at kind of BIPs versus EIPs the other day, and it's crazy the amount of EIPs that have come out. And there's obviously been a lot of fast innovation on Ethereum, but that doesn't necessarily translate to uh, that's good. I think the, there is an argument for having slower innovation on the base layer of Bitcoin. Um, and I think this kind of like slow and steady approach has worked really well for Bitcoin. But I think when it comes to kind of lightning fast uh, innovation, I think that's probably going to be done on, on the lightning network. And I'm kind of looking forward to seeing those things come. And when you look at the knock-on effect, right, of, uh, for example, like Doquan's project, which kind of had this huge catastrophic failure earlier in the year. And I I found myself thinking, oh, God, thank God that that project wasn't built on Bitcoin because it would have had this really bad effect. But actually, the network effect for a lot of people in the space and outside of the space as well is that that bad reputation is still kind of attached somewhat to Bitcoin. So it doesn't really matter if it's kind of like a shitcoin existing parallel to Bitcoin. Um, or if it's actually built on Bitcoin itself, it, it kind of has a very similar kind of ripple effect through the network. And I think it's probably better to welcome people in with open arms and to say, hey, we're going to give you constructive criticism on your projects, or we're going to tread with caution and implement that kind of slightly slower, more sturdy Bitcoin ethos, which I think a lot of people want, um, but maybe also kind of give people a bit of a poke with the, the innovation stick as well. And and try and see some things experimented with. Yeah, I can imagine uh, there are still a lot of debates raging in the Bitcoin world about, let's say, the level of Bitcoin conservatism that we should have and should it just be money and should we be more focused on, let's say, privacy and security and verifiability and these aspects versus should there be more effort on applications and uh, features and things. Um, and I can understand uh, there's definitely that tension in the community. Um, but nevertheless, I think it's an interesting project. And I think there's um, definitely uh, some value there in terms of pulling, you know, developers and talented people into the space. And they might be working on something that ends up improving the way we interact with Bitcoin and Lightning. And maybe they are improving in some way the privacy of the way people interact with um, Bitcoin and Lightning. So Let's see. Um, so listen, let's make sure you check it out. The website is bolts.fun. Uh, and Johns and Ed, where can people find you guys online? You can find me, uh, Johns Bihari, uh, pretty much everywhere. Uh, J-O-H-N-S, B-E-H-A-R-R-Y, uh, Twitter, on Bolts.fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's where I'm pretty much hanging out in the Bitcoin design community as well. Yeah, same goes here. Uh, you can find me pretty much everywhere online, Twitter, Discord. Uh, my handle on Twitter is uh, zap, Z-A-P-P underscore Ed. 
uh, and I'm Beffa88 on Discord and GitHub as well. Fantastic. Well, uh, great to chat, guys, and uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, thanks so much, man. Thanks for having us. Show notes are available over at stefanlevera.com slash 425. As always, if you're enjoying the show, make sure to share it with your family and friends so they can learn about Bitcoin. That's it from me. I'll see you in the Citadels.